Hello, I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And we are the hosts of Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Thank you very much to our sponsors today, Pet Sitters Associates and the Florida Pet Services Association, whose conference is coming up in a few months. Thank you also to our Patreon members who have found value in at least one of the almost 400 episodes and like to support us every month. So if you too would like to help support financially to the show, you can do so at petsitterconfessional.com slash support. About a year and a half ago, we decided to expand into a new service area. Crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we did this for a few reasons. And one of those is because the current town that we live in is very small. And while we have a lot of clients here, it's not really able to support us having staff and us still being able to live off of it. So we decided to expand into an area that is two hours south of us. And... And it's been quite a journey. Yeah, it really has. And, and yes, we, we looked at our current market and we said, if we're going to do this full time, if we want to have staff, a, a town of 21,000 people is not able to do that for us. Now, it is still a very healthy market. I mean, sometimes it's just absolutely insane. But we were looking for consistency for much more growth potential that we, than, we, than we have here. And so we looked south and we found that there was this town there that was over nine times the size of where we're currently living and decided that that is where we wanted to expand into. And so we we wanted to talk about that expansion into a remote service area and what kind of our process was and then some things to think about if you have thought about that before. We also did it because we have a connection to that area. We both went to college there. Colin grew up in a town very close to where that is. And so we we had some familial connections with it and knew that they were a very pet-friendly market. So we did a little bit of market research beforehand and we decided, okay, yes, this is something that we can do. So we started off with the job ad. (laughs) (laughs) And it was very interesting to write because... We we basically played up the fact that this was a growing business in a growing market that we, we knew the potential here and we did not guarantee any hours, <laughs> which was a little difficult to explain to people. But we, we really played up the growing aspect that we know that this can work. We're going to be doing this. You're going to be with a, a company that is expanding into a new area and you can be on the forefront of this as well. Yeah, giving them that idea of that potential. Uh, And so this attracts a a smaller subset of people, I believe, of people willing and wanting to look for a growing company versus an established company. And so you do get people who are more uh, risk, um, open to risk, I guess, as opposed to risk averse, somebody who just wants stability, just wants to know I get exactly X number of hours and that's exactly what I want. And this is honestly a mindset that we've continued to bring into every single hire of there is risk here. We are growing. This is still very new in the service area. And, and I think that's really healthy for the kind of people that we've been attracting who are looking for something of, okay, it's not, it, it's not demanding a lot of me, but uh, I'm excited about the potential that's here. And so walking people through that process was really important to us. Well, and obviously you and I were not going to be there the day in and day out operations of the business. So we really needed to hammer that home as well. As, you know, This person that we had to bring on or people that we brought on had to be okay with working extremely independently and obviously very good at communication because if something were to happen, you know, we were two hours away. We could not just go across the street and solve their problem. It was it would be a process to get down there and to help them out. Yeah, this was a real balance of finding somebody who was independent 
who was competent, who was experienced in this. So that was another thing that our first few hires were people who had done this before. And we've, we've since started hiring people with almost zero experience and trained them up. But we knew for these first several people, we had to get people who had experience because we couldn't just drop everything that we're doing at a hat and, and drive two, two and a half hours away. But we also needed, well, we need somebody that was independent. We also had to have people who were team players who saw the benefit of the approach that we were using of multiple sitters in a house, multiple sitters taking care of a family and their pets, and that they were willing to contribute to the betterment of that care by cooperating and collaborating with other team members. And finding that balance is, is hard. It's still hard. It's honestly one of the hardest parts and challenges of hiring people of going, yeah, I need a strong willed, independent person who wants to be a good team person who who sees who actively sees and understands why we we operate the way we do and that they aren't just a lone wolf out there by themselves. Well, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions about hiring in general is that you have to hire people with guaranteed hours or at least some hours. And that's just simply not true. And we are here, we are the poster children of <laughs> no. <laughs> when we started up in our new area, I mean, I think it took us three, four months to yeah. actually get a client. We were having our staff, our employees do the admin work, writing blogs, doing boots on the ground marketing, um, going to vet offices and groomers and and making their our, our company name known in the community. And so we had to be very forthright of saying, you know, we can provide Provide some hours, but these are definitely we you know we guarantee zero hours. Yep. So are you okay with that? You have to have some other income to make this work. You know, we had people who were driving for Amazon Flex and somebody who had her own landscaping business and somebody who did yoga on the side. Like we had to have these people who were not reliant on this income because some weeks there really weren't that many hours. And that was important again of going, wow, you're hiring people. And they are in charge. I guess something you may say is, oh, wow, the, they are in charge of helping to grow the business. And the answer is yes, right? We were hiring, in some instances, um, marketers. We were hiring blog writers. We were hiring people with admin work and had a desire to do that as well. Because we knew as the company grows, the pet care visits will increase and we will be able to take away some of the admin work and give those to either other people, Megan and I take them on or hire somebody specifically for that. So we kind of saw this vision of in the beginning, there's going to be a lot of admin work, boots on the ground, marketing. And then as we pick up with business, that will decrease, the pet care will increase and we'll be able to switch those responsibilities from one person to another. Because it was also important for us as the owners to communicate to our employees the vision that we saw, that this was not going to always be admin and blog writing and you going to visit groomers and everything. We needed to say, hey, this is where we are going. We know that this is going to work. This this is absolutely going to work and kind of making it as optimistic as possible so that they didn't, you know, on week three go, oh, I'm not writing another blog. Like, this is not what I signed up for. Or, you know, I, I really want to take care of the pets. I don't want to go visit and do events and all of these things. I want to take care of cats and dogs. And so making sure that you as the owner are including them in the, the day-to-day what's going on. Okay, we did this today. I got it, you know, I, I, somebody called today to inquire about our services. It didn't work out this time, but we know there's going to be more phone calls coming in. That's a, actually a very interesting point that you bring up. I've never really thought about it, but those earlier hires really had to capture onto the vision a lot more than later hires. 
because as we've hired subsequently, we're able to tell them, okay, here's an estimated number of hours that you could potentially get. Here's where we service. There's a lot more ironed out. And so in many times, they are buying into the, the hours, the income. Versus the early staff, the early people who we hired, and for if you're doing this, you will hire as well. They're just, it's a hope and a dream at that point. Like, that's what excites them of like, wow, look what I get to be a part of. And to remember that as you bring people on, to still bring that same enthusiasm, to still talk about that potential, to still talk about where your company is headed so that they can buy into that, your company buy-in, whatever. Like, what's more important is that they see how they can contribute to that. And you can talk with them about that and look at their strengths, look at their weaknesses and understand how that's happening and do that during the onboarding process, during the during the interview process even of, of how that they're going to get connected with your company. I think that's that's really critical that you, because you don't so that you don't lose that. So that you you have people who continue to enter who are excited and who are pumped up for your business. Because we hired remotely, we also had to make sure that we were hyper serious and hyper focused on our onboarding and our training procedures that we had really nailed protocols and policies for our staff because we weren't going to be there. We have now extensive training and onboarding steps that everybody goes through and we shadow them a lot and we really hone in on all of those things and are very specific about our instructions. And this process forced us to really look at, okay, yeah, I think today we have policies that we wouldn't have had otherwise had we had a more local service area that we expanded to because we had to nail down every jot, every tittle, every I, every T crossed and everything taken care of because it was remote, because it was so far away. But we didn't have all of that right from the get-go. I mean, we had some stuff nailed out and ironed out, but it was a learning process along the way. You know, our very first hire we ever did in our business was two hours away from us. We didn't even hire local first. We hired in our expansion area. And so it was a process and a refinement of our policies and procedures and how we were going to train and onboard staff. We had some things before hand, but it would, I don't want you to paint the picture that it was all roses and butterflies. Oh, sorry. I should have said, we have learned to do all of that. Right. In the very beginning, we had no idea what we were doing. We hired somebody and we were ready to go. We kind of talked to them about what we were doing. Uh, we actually had them listen to a few of our own podcasts as part of the training procedure because we knew we had that material there uh, and just walk through that. We now have it to that point. But yes, in the very beginning, so as a, as a word of advice, think through those things beforehand. Um, obviously, there's always growing. There are things that can come up that you would never have thought of before. We are, we are still experiencing that. But to go in and understand, I, I with a mindset of, I need to be as precise as possible in everything that I do. I, th- I think that's what's critical. Not having everything lined out in documents and black and white for people, but just knowing you as the person hiring and bringing this person on, you you understand what you are walking into for that. Well, and knowing that basically they are the face of the company in your new area, that they are going to have to do everything. Like, yeah. yeah, yes, we can step in at times, but because we have our own business here that we actually had visits for here and we were not yet hired here <laughs> in our current area, they had to do all of the meet and greets. They had to do all of the pet sitting and dog walking. And we didn't have that much at that time. But all of the new people that were coming in for meet and greets, they had to be the face of our company doing that. So communicating that before they hire on with your company is important because maybe they're more shy, more introverted. They're not going to be okay with being the face, but making sure that you have this more extroverted person that's going to come on this journey and see the vision and see that the exciting growth that you were going to do is important. 
Hi, everyone. This is Amber Van Denzen with Attaboy Animal Care, and I am the Secretary of Florida Pet Services Association. Are you looking for a professional pet conference that will have a variety of pet professionals beyond your just your specific scope? Attend the Florida Pet Services Summit on August 25th through 27th of this year in Orlando, Florida at Florida's Resort to connect with fellow pet sitters, groomers, daycare providers, trainers, pet waste management companies, and more. With over 16 speakers and over a two-day event, we are so excited to form camaraderie and connections that will elevate and grow the professional pet care industry as a whole. We look forward to seeing you soon. Buy your ticket today at flpetassociation.org. Because we were two hours away, the oversight really needed to be honed in as well. So anytime they had a meet and greet come up, we would say, okay, let's go to jump on a phone call beforehand. Let's talk through these things. And then afterwards, let's jump on another phone call and see how it went and any other questions that we have that we need to ask the client about. With the dog walking and pet sitting, knowing that our software is very helpful in this area because we're able to see their reports. We're able to check, yes, this is fine, or no, you should have done this better. And then having weekly staff meetings, we still do that. And those are very important to make sure that we're all on the same page in the company to know where we are going, what, you know, look back over the past week and looking ahead to the next week. We also have a lot of touch points with them. When they come on board, we do a one week, a two week, a month check-in, and then every month after that. And then if there's anything in between, we talk about that as well. We jump on a Zoom call <laughs> and say, hey, how's it going? Are you finding that balance? How are, how are we doing? What can we do better at? Any concerns or questions do you have? Yeah, those quarterly reviews, we do those are the, the serious ones where we sit down, where we look at their performance, we talk about improvements, talk about their strengths. But those check-ins are, are really critical for us. And we seriously, it's, it's a lot of asking them how they're doing and us giving advice and insight from what we are seeing. It's not critique. It's not really a time to critique or judge or grade anything, but it's a, hey, do you have a good work-life balance? Do you understand where we're headed? Do you feel like we are supporting you? Do you feel like it's a lot of do you feels to understand where they are coming from? And those touch points are very critical to us and have helped shape how we approach people because then we can understand, oh, this person needs a lot more technical uh, advice or this person needs a little bit less oversight. They want to be just a little bit more independent. And one thing that I mentioned earlier was the importance of having a team-based approach. So that's, that's beneficial not just to our clients, but we talk a lot about to our staff about the benefits to them. And one way to foster that collaborative effort and that collaborative mindset is we, we lean on each other for support and encouragement. And we do that, one of the ways is at the end of each I'm going to call them shifts or time blocks that they are done. They write up a report of how it went for each of the clients that they saw, and they send that to a group chat with all the other staff members for that service area in it. This relates problems that they had, concerns that they are seeing, uh, who pooped, who didn't, who got their medication, details like that to the other team so that they, so the other people know what they're walking into. And it really has, we've seen a lot of, oh, okay, you did that for me. I'm going to do that back for you. Or that's, you can encourage people to, to open up there and so that they can see I'm not alone, right? This isn't my only visit because that was one of our biggest problems of people going, this is my only visit and there's nobody before, there's nobody after me and I don't need to think about that. This breaks that mindset and goes, I'm telling other people about what I did, and I'm seeing what other people are experiencing, and I can relate to that. I can give advice. And we have some really good conversations that come up from time to time about people, about things that people are experiencing. 
One more point with the staffing. It can be very difficult when you are first starting out to kind of overwork that person. You are relying on them for everything in your service area. So if one day somebody books a meet and greet at 9 a.m. and the next day at 6 p.m., well, you know, maybe you have to have a conversation with the client of, hey, we need to move it to 9 a.m. only. Or, you know, the the first person that we hired did Amazon Flex. And so she was really available whenever we asked. And that was very nice. And I feel very rare. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we were very blessed to have her. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily the norm. And so if you can find somebody like that, great. If not, then you are going to have to say, okay, well, right now our business operates from eight to two or nine to three or whatever it is. And if that, if you want midday dog walks, then great. You can <laughs> keep that, keep that time window. Um, but we had to be very careful and cautious of not overworking her, even though we didn't really have a whole lot for her to do. But we didn't want to say, okay, 8 a.m. meet and greet one day, 8 p.m. meet and greet the next day. We wanted to be considerate of her time. And because there wasn't a whole lot for her to do, we wanted to make sure that the time was worth it to her. So we instituted a standalone visit, where if we just had one visit separated by two or more hours, we would pay her for the full hour versus just a 30-minute visit. Something that we did not do right away that I think we should have was move our Google My Business. So we had accumulated dozens of reviews on our Google My Business, and it was in our local service area. We waited a few months to make that transition, I think, because, I mean, one, we needed an office in the service area, in the new service area, but also because we wanted to make sure that this was going to work out. We knew mentally it was going to work out. We knew that there was a market for this, but to make, because that that listing is so valuable with dozens and dozens of five-star reviews, you don't want to make Google mad and them to rip away your listing. So we wanted to be very methodical, very careful on when we moved it so that it didn't get ripped away. Yeah, at first we had tried to just get by with one listing and keep it in our existing service area and just tack on our new service area two hours away. But I will tell you, service, uh, Google's limit for how far away your service area can be is is two hours. Uh, and it was literally two hours and one minute from our <laughs> from both service areas. And so what Google did was when you would Google our, our business, it would come up and it would just be the little service area would stretch linearly straight down the highway two hours south and loop back up. It was a very long, tortured, stretched oval, and it, di- it didn't break it in the middle. And so it, it was picking up and people were pinging everywhere in between. And so All of the cities along the highway. It was, it was completely ridiculous and untenable for us. So we did have to move it and we um, – Shout out again to Amy Toman for helping us walk through that process because it was so critically valuable to our business and moving that to a, an office that we got uh, in the new service area. And that, uh, by far and away, the single best thing that we could have done was maintaining that Google business listing and making sure that it is upkept and up to date. Uh, but we also did a ton of door knocking, flyers. I mean, it was full court press. Every pet v- business that was in that area or pet friendly business we were meeting, we were talking to, um, taking flyers, taking poop bag holders, taking t- branded tennis balls, and getting to know people. Because the fact of the matter was, they didn't know who we were. They had no idea. They never heard of us. And so we wanted to come in, make an amazing first impression, and just get our faces in front of them. And yes, that was us, Megan and I sometimes, but the majority of the time, it was our staff members. And so we had to coach them and talk to them about how to do those introductions, what that process looked like, things to talk about how to introduce yourself, where to direct people back for more information, and that was that, that was that was really good. Uh, that, that was a really good exercise for us. And telling businesses that while we are new to the 
area, we are not new to pet sitting and dog walking, that we are an established business because it can be a little, it can turn people off of going, well, you're new. I don't know yeah. if you're going to stick around for a long time. Are, are you reputable? Are you the real deal? Like, do you actually care for pets properly or are you just some fly by night person? But letting them know, no, we have 10 years of experience in this, and we are just expanding into this area. And that's been a continued point of discussion with people of going, where, where are you located? How do you do this work? Where do, are you in this other area, or are you in this area? And we have to say, we're both. We have staff members that service this location. We have staff members that service this, that are dedicated to this other location. And communicating a little bit about the business operations is essential when you're doing this and you're expanding so far away from your original service area. So when we had our employees write blogs, some of them were the top dog groomers in our new service area or the, the most popular vets in the new service area. And then what we would do is after we had published that and I would tag those businesses on Facebook, our staff, our employees down there would go and visit those and say, hey, we just wrote a blog. You are featured in here. We wanted to drop off some donuts or whatever it was and just say hi. And that's what a lot of this was. It was just saying hi to new business. It wasn't necessarily to say, hey, I want to shove some flyers in your face and some business cards and put this in your window and, and super hard selling. It was just, hey, we're new to the area. We, we featured you in our blog and we just wanted to say hi. That, that's such an, a wonderful opening line of, hi, look, I've written about you and I've, I, I put it on our blog and people are very receptive to this. Not 100% of people. Well, not 100%, but okay, I will say. <laughs> there were a couple people we did have to take off of the blogs because they were not kind They to were us. unkind. But learning process, right? Okay, great. We can take them off because that wasn't a good experience. But as, if, as far as an opening line goes, like it's great. It's, and so it does a couple things. It builds that rapport with them of going, wow, this person is coming in already told, already telling me something they've done for me and I have, and I didn't know about it. That's great. Also, it gives us content that we can then share and grow and not just put out on social media, but then plug into the blog press on our website to grow our local SEO for our business. And that was the other thing that we had to do. We had to pour over our website and put in our service area and make sure that everything flowed because now we're talking about two different service areas. So wording can get a little tricky. And does it just apply to one? Does it apply to the other? How is that going to work? Where does this information need to be? How is it presented? And really thinking through that process of, Anybody from either of these service areas can land on our website. How are they going to know that we service them and not scaring them away by putting too much language of the other one versus the one that they're in so that they think, well, maybe maybe they don't. We, didn't, we want to make sure that it was evenly distributed. Well, and we wanted to offer the exact same services in our new service area as we do in our existing one. While we do have different pages for our different areas, they do have the same services. So it's not as though I offer adventure hikes in one area and only pet taxi in another or only grooming in another. They are cohesive in that they offer the same services. And then, as you mentioned, we basically blasted Facebook with this. <laughs> so we, we put it on our our business Facebook page, but then also we joined a lot of local groups in our new service area. There's one that is super popular, has 60,000 members, which is like a third of the, the size of the, the whole city. And we paid for advertising in there. It's only $30 a month and we can post as much as we want. And we said, absolutely, this is money well spent. You know, we, we have our social media posts that we curate for potential clients. 
and speak directly to them. So every day I was out there creating new posts and new content. And we did get feedback from a marketer from a 1 million cups meeting that says, you know, make sure you don't flood it too much because then people will block your page and they won't be able to see you anymore. So there is a balance there. However, I don't really know balance well in my life. So over the past year, many of the thousands of people have gotten to see our posts each day. Well, and I think what's really important there is as you were doing this massive push, it was about the content because we were not posting anybody looking for a dog walker or we'll be your pet sitter or here's a price sheet or we offer this or here's a picture of a dog. It was hard hitting blog content. It was instructional. It was informational. It was recommending other services beyond us. It was truly shareable content. I mean, that's what we focused on. It very rarely pointed back to us. The only thing that pointed back to us is that you very wisely, Megan, shared shared it from our business page so that they knew who it was coming from and who it was associated with, and they could click right to that. One of the single best ones we've ever done was dog-friendly restaurants. And our expansion area is super big into meals and restaurants, and they love their food there. Uh, They they eat out all the time. Yeah. (laughs) So there are so many restaurants. And so there was a lot to choose from, but also there are specific groups, Facebook groups, dedicated to local eating in our service area. So I was able to share it there as well. And it did phenomenal. I mean, it it was like one of the best posts we've ever done. And so just getting our name out there through this, through other people, I guess, is how it was successful. Well, yeah, people would go, oh, great. And they'd tag their friend and be like, now we know what to try for brunch next time. Or people would comment back their favorite that wasn't listed on there. So it was a lot of engagement, brought a lot of interaction to that post, with, which made it, it, it's more people saw it. We could add that content to the website. So they were kind of crowdsourcing this for us. So it made it really, it, it was, it was really neat to see people share that and be like, look at these great places and so on. If you are wanting to know how we went about curating and crafting these social media posts for potential clients in our new service area, we did talk all about this on episode 382, which is titled Finding Your Approach to Social Media. Something that should be in every area that you service is Pet Sitter's Associates. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. And that's why Pet Sitter's Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, they've provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. Because you work in the pet care industry, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why Pet Sitter's Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote at PetSitLLC.com. You can get a discount by clicking Membership Pet Pet Sitter Confessional and use the discount code CONFESSIONAL when you go to check out if you want $10 off. Check out the benefits of membership and insurance once again at PetsitLLC.com. When trying to figure out where our new service area was going to be, we looked at other cities surrounding us. There was one east of us, about an hour. There was one an hour and a half west of us. And then there was the one that we chose, which is two hours south. And we chose this one again because it was pet friendly. There was less competition in the area. We knew that the other two that we were looking at had quite a few pet sitter and dog walker companies. And then a huge bonus was that we actually have family in the area that we chose. Colin's family still lives there. And so we knew that if we were having to go cover for staff or just do marketing ourselves in the new area that we would have a place to stay. 
is which is huge. When you're two hours away, you can't be there forever. You can't be spending eighty bucks a night, one hundred twenty bucks a night for hotels, or even getting an Airbnb for extended period of time while you're doing the onboarding, while you're doing the training, while you're covering visits for people. So that really meant that this was a very um, it was a sure and I'm going to say safe step for us. The other ones were just as big of markets, if not bigger. Uh, yes, they had more competition, but we we knew that we could do this. This one there was a little bit more opening, and then we had some things that could cover us in case everything fell through, which really allowed us to step forward in that and go, okay, I we are we feel comfortable doing that. We also chose a six mile radius from the center of town, and we chose a park as our central location and a six mile radius from around that. And that basically encompassed the entire city, really, except for the most, the outermost parts. But we really while we knew this city because we had gone to college there, I don't think that we really fully understood exactly where we were going to be gaining clients. (laughs) Which is an important aspect that as we've been there, we've had to learn a lot of the ins and outs of the city. So while we chose the center of the city and the surrounding area, what we came to later learn was basically all of our clients commuted in. So what we had to do was later move our service radius a little bit further south to encompass some of the approaching suburbs where people were driving in. They were driving in 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes into the city to get to their jobs. Well, it doesn't matter if they work in my service radius, right? (laughs) I have to make sure that I service where they live. So understanding that, well, yeah, Megan, you said while we knew the city, we've had to learn a lot of ins and outs about this, about traffic patterns, about when things are actually going to be busy. Uh, Even just route planning, expected drive times, driving patterns. How long is, you know, where where are these places? We had to learn a lot of the geography of the city and become intimately familiar with where places are. Well, because again, our current service area is very small. So we can pack a lot of clients into less time because there's not as much driving. Whereas the new area, there is a lot more driving. It's more populous. There's more traffic, more stoplights, stop and go traffic. And so having to budget for that time is crucial and knowing, okay, well, it's going to take us a little bit longer and staff are going to be doing a little less visits in the same amount of time. Yeah, which impacts, which was the question that we had actually between ourselves was, do we change pricing to reflect that? Um, you know, it's a bigger city. It's big, more metropolitan. It's more affluent in the clients, uh, in the, in the, just the general overall geographic area. But we were really adamant about having the same pricing from our much smaller service area, more rural, to our much more, <laughs> much bigger city uh, service area as well, because we knew we were going after the same clients. We knew that we could service them well, and it was important for us to maintain those because we had a little bit longer drive times there, and we knew that also our existing service area would be funding our operations down in our expansion. So we, we had to keep that revenue stream going. Well, I think that's really important. We did consciously know, okay, there are going to be more expenses in this new area than in our current area, and no revenue is really going to be generated for a while. So we had to go, okay, financially, can we make this work? Can our current service area float us for a little bit in the new area until we can get more established clients? And one of the biggest expenses that we knew right off the bat was going to be having an office. This was critical for our Google My Business and kind of one of the reasons why we waited so long to make the move, not only because we wanted to have a slow process for Google, but also because we wanted to make sure that we could find a place that we liked and not have to change locations. 
And this was important again, even though I had family living in the area, I could not use their addresses because they actually live too far outside of the service area where we were trying to service. When you're 20, 30 minutes outside of the town, uh, that doesn't do you any good for hyper-local search results from Google whenever that address is so far outside. So we knew that we had to be in our service area in the zip code that we were trying to gain clients. And so, yeah, we went on a big hunt for our our office space. And that sounds like a huge expense, uh, but here's how we rationalized it. Uh, we needed an office because we needed the Google My Business, right? You have to have a dedicated workspace with your name on it, on a placard, dedicated to you. No, it, it cannot be a PO box. It cannot be a shared office where you there like a co-working space. It cannot be that. Yeah. Now we so we looked at all sorts of options and we did look at a co-working space where if you upgraded to a certain level of uh, tier of their system, you did get a dedicated mailbox which would qualify you for a Google business listing. Uh, but it was way too costly. Right? And and we knew that while this was important to us, we did have to count our pennies because is that service area wasn't going to be generating its revenue. It wasn't going to be self-sufficient for a while. So we needed to go, okay, what's the, my, really, what's my cheapest option? <laughs> because no clients are coming into here. Uh, we may work out of there. No staff really need to go into this for any extended periods of time. It's really just going to be st- a storage locker for all intents and purposes. But it has to be a physical space. <laughs> <laughs> so all of these things led to a, a big search, calling all sorts of friends. And it's pretty cool. I was talking to my dad about this and he went, Oh, well, I know who to call. And he called one of his friends. And it turns out that my dad's very first office, when he started his own company 20 some odd years ago, that exact office was for rent. And <laughs> so I got to go. And now our office is the office that I actually grew up going to and sitting in the office, waiting, you know, as I listened to my dad make phone calls and <laughs> all sorts of stuff during the summer and helping him pack and unpack things. And it's 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 really cool to just me personally to have that knowing like yeah growing this business doing this thing but also it's a physical office and it's serving so many different purposes now one of those is that again it is a storage place for our leashes and first aid kits and one of those is also lock boxes yeah. which was a big deal for us we knew we, that if we brought on staff we were going to need to make this switch from physical keys to lock boxes and that was something that we did as well when we brought on staff in this new area we said okay we don't you know we don't want to be switching keys hither and yon, to and from, and having staff potentially lose them. So we made the switch to lockboxes. And that's been huge because, again, we did not want to make a copy of a client's key for every single one of our staff members because we do work as a team where we have morning, afternoon, evening, weekday, and morning, afternoon, evening, weekend staff members. And that's way too many copies to have out in the wild. It's way too many people coming and going from the office that while it's in our service area, it's not exactly the most convenient place. So we didn't want to have to be paying drive time to and from this picking up and dropping off keys. So lockboxes were the the best way to go when we looked at operationally, how do we make this and maximize our efficiency as a company? Lockboxes really were a no-brainer for us. It helped actually, while they are costly to purchase, 
If you offset that by getting a refundable deposit from a client or you sell them, so you go ahead and get your tax ID from your state and you do all of that stuff, you can offset these costs to some extent. And then they're there. And this will save you money. Every time that you service that client, you are saving money because you don't have to worry about keys because they are already there. While you and I as the business owners are the the visionaries and the ones who set and keep the goals, staff really are the backbone, particularly when you are going and expanding into a new service area. Without them, you really can't do this as effectively because you are needing them to be, again, the face of the company. You know, if we didn't have staff, it's very likely that we could not have made this work because we were still servicing clients in our current area and we did not have staff here. So what we had to do is we basically had to over provision because we staffed up our new area. That means that we also had to provide staff for our current area as well, because if we had to go down there or help out or if the staff member had quit or something, we would need to pack up and go down there and and take over the visits. Yeah, so staffing up our existing service area so that we had the flexibility to do that, to focus on the new one and make sure that they were taken care of. And so, yes, it was. it's not really a chicken and egg problem. It's really just I have to do both of these at the same time. Like it became apparent that we had to. Yes, I'm staffing up the new service area that's two hours or more away. But because I'm doing that, I know at some point I have to go down and train them. I have to go down and oversee them. And if I'm still doing visits, there's no way I can do that. So I have to also staff up in my current existing area. And then what you're able to do then is you're able to, to grow and multiply and expand from there. And they really are, your staff are the backbone of your of your company. And it, it it's everything to listen to them, to hear their insights, to sit down with them, ask what they like, ask what they don't like, what they want to do more of, what they wish they could do less of, and then not necessarily change your company to fit those needs, but see, am I taking on clients that all of my staff like? Am I doing things as a company that my staff love to do? Or are they begrudgingly going? Because you may like doing something as the owner, but if none of your staff like doing it, Sure, you can force them to do that, but that's not okay. Like, <laughs> you're not going to have a lot of people who like working for you at that point. So, really listening to them, taking their advice. And that was something that we did along the way, too, Megan, of going, hey, we've never done this before. Um, we need your advice. We're really new to this. Can you please help us? Any feedback? Here's our policies. Here's our procedures. Here's how we think it needs to be done. However, if it starts being an impediment to you, if you start struggling with this or you don't think it's a good fit anymore, let us know because we will burn it all down. Right? We want this stuff to be helpful and beneficial and make us better and not hold us back. This entire process of expanding into a new area has really been an eye-opener for us. And while I always knew that it was going to happen, I, I had a lot of confidence that this could work based off of our market research and our knowledge of the area and it being super pet-friendly. I, there were times where our confidence was shaken, but ultimately, I'm very proud of us. I, I'm proud that we are able to do this thing that is is hard. <laughs> it continues to be hard every day, but it, it's been a tremendous learning process. And I, I'm again, I'm super proud of us. I look back to where we were a year ago, two years ago, and look where we are now, and go, oh my gosh! Like if you only knew, if you only knew what was about to come down, both the good and the bad, but that's okay, right? That's part of, that's, that's part of, you don't get the highs without experiencing some lows. And what this process taught me is just that sheer importance of, of having that vision, having those goals, and then going, how do I make that work? 
How do I get there? How do I meet my monthly revenue for my family? How do I meet my growth goals? How do I meet my, my, my passion to service more pet parents? Okay, for us, it was now looking at our market and going, can we do that here? Yes or no? No. Okay, now where do I go for that? And finding that right match. And so we were able to take our vision and match it with a market, match it with a place to put our business and grow it there and say, we can serve these people well. We can do this here. And what that allows us to do is look and going, okay, if that's possible, by golly, what, <laughs> what else is there? And, and you said, Megan, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Running a business is hard. I don't know, I don't know listeners, if you know that or not, but it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world. And so you should be proud of your business. You should look at what you're doing, what you've done, and go, man, that is something that I never thought possible. Or, or maybe it was something you dreamt, but you've actually accomplished that. That's something you should, you should genuinely be proud of, knowing that you worked hard to do that. And, and I am, I'm so proud of us for what we've been able to do and continue to serve people, grow people, grow a team, uh, and, and, and meet all these other ancillary goals that have come up along the way. Well, and I think no matter what you do in your business, think, again, things are going to be hard. But if you have the drive to do them, if you have the confidence to do them, to show up every single day and to go, okay, this is where I want to go. This is my five-year goal or my one-year goal. This is where I want to be, be then and where I see my company going. Then it gives you the, the gumption and the confidence to show up every day and say, I know that this is possible because of XYZ, or I, I just want to do this thing, and let's do it. Let's hit the ground running and, and go for it. Because there are things that you do in your business where every day you have to do them. Right? Sometimes you can do things in your business to get ahead of tomorrow. Right? You can answer more emails. You can send out more postcards, or you can call more places. But you can do the best darn dog walk you've ever done for this client. Well, guess what? You have to do it again tomorrow. And you have to do it again tomorrow. And while the task itself that you've just done doesn't set you up for more or less success tomorrow, it does set you up for more success. Because, because when you work hard, that's exercising everything about you and your muscles. And doing the best you can today means you're a little bit better at doing the best you can tomorrow. And so showing up, not really for your business, not really for your staff, but showing up for yourself means you'll be showing up for yourself more and more every single day, even when the tough times come even whenever you don't want to do it anymore and it feels like, and, and you know business is slow and you don't understand why you can't hire or everything like this you know I can do this because I have done it and that's what's really important if you have considered expanding into a new service area or offering different services in that area or pricing or any of the things that we have talked about today and you want to let other sitters know about it you can email us at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com or hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at petsitterconfessional and actually the next episode episode three we are going to be talking about practical steps, ways that you can implement these things and expand into a new service area if this is something that you would like to do. Yeah, 10 things to consider and questions that you need to ask yourself to make sure you're ready for it. Thank you to Pet Sitters Associates and the Florida Pet Services Association for sponsoring today's episode. And thank you for listening to this. Hopefully you have gained some some knowledge and some courage to do something hard in your business. (laughs) We'll talk with you next time. Bye. I'm <laughs> sorry.